Hi, this is Regaline Sabah, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. Today, we are going to discuss how to overcome anxiety and own your future with Ben Eden. My guest today is Ben Eden. Ben Eden is a professional speaker, life coach, and author at Ben Eden Speaks. And fun fact, Ben's last name, which is Eden, is my middle name. Welcome to the show, Ben. <laughs> Thank you so much. Glad to be here. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you are from? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Ben Eden, as you said. I'm from Utah, but by Ogden, it's about 30 minutes of 30 minutes north of Salt Lake, if you've never been here. And it just snowed yesterday. So, hey, we got lots of it. <laughs> you guys are lucky out there. Now, can you tell us more about leaving your executive HR position to dedicate yourself full time to bringing your message to God's people? Absolutely. So I loved the world of HR. You know, I was there for about seven years as an executive of an international company. So I grew quickly. I had a big position and everything seemed like the picture perfect life, right? I had accomplished what I was supposed to under the age of 30. Booyah, right? And I even did the bachelor's degree, the master's degree. I was a senior certified professional. Everything in HR. I loved the world of HR. But I saw a lot of things as I traveled the world and as I dealt with these 2,000 employees. I saw that I, I saw what I learned to call emotional pain. When we don't know how to deal with our emotions, then it can inhibit us from achieving the goals, not only our own, but the goals of the company, right? So if the manager and the executives come and say, hey, these are our goals, we need to accomplish it, but somebody has this unresolved emotion, then we can push as hard as we want, we can spend as much money as we want, but until that emotion is resolved, guess what's gonna happen? Either they're not gonna move forward, or they will, and then they'll have to start coping in other ways. So I started seeing all this, and I'm like, my goodness, I've experienced it personally, and I see it in others, and something needs to be done about it. I mean, maybe we'll get into these details, but I see it on the micro level, but as well as the macro and how it affects healthcare and addictions and all sorts of things. So I said, hey, if I see this, and it's my my ability and talent to be able to talk to people and see maybe what they can't see and help them through it, then that's what I'm going to do. So I left all that in February of last year to do this full time. Very powerful. Now, why did you use the thing slowing down to get in tune with your emotions was a waste of time? And can you explain to the audience why it is not? So sorry, did you say some people think it is a waste of time? Yes. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, yes, just some context real quick. So I worked with a lot of executives and very wealthy owners. So I've seen that side. I also do Airbnb at my house right now. So I meet all sorts of people. And I was talking to one of them and they said, oh, life would just be so much easier if I didn't have emotions. Or in the world of work, I was just listening to the book by Ray Dalio. He's a very wealthy guy from the hedge fund uh, Bridgewater, right? And he often says, we need to keep emotions out of work. And I'm thinking, well, if you keep emotions purely out of work, and that's what causes problems. Most of us go throughout life thinking emotions are just part of life and you have to get over them, right? Get over them. Or we, we just weren't um, taught how to talk about emotions. So we don't know what to do. So if somebody thinks it's a waste of time, it's probably because they don't know how to deal with them. And when they try, it gets scary and uncomfortable. And that's what we do is we focus on things that we feel like we can control. So we put all our energy into this. But guess what? Our emotions don't leave just by ignoring them. They'll say, okay, I'm going to wait until you're ready to listen. <laughs> <laughs> and until we are, 
we'll feel it, but we won't understand what it is. So we'll try to fix it in other ways. And that's when we start turning to coping mechanisms. That's what I call them. Uh, if we say, you know what, work was hard. I, I don't speak in this language. I don't say, hey, I was nervous. I was lonely. I was anxious. I was scared. We don't usually use that language. We just say, yeah, work sucked and I didn't like how I felt. So what am I going to do? I'm going to come home and I'm going to eat whipped cream, you know, or whatever, <laughs> whatever my uh, food of choice is, right? Or I'm going to binge watch TV. Or I'm going to play video games, whatever it is, because we're trying to ignore and push away those emotions. So if we think it's a waste of time, then I would invite you in a safe manner to take time to, to address those emotions and see how much better your life can become. Very powerful. Now, how do you help others get unstuck? Well, here's, here's what I absolutely loved. My goodness. I just read a book called Attract Money Now by Joe Vitale. If anybody doesn't know about him, he's very famous now, but he wasn't always such. He actually was homeless for a time, but now he's a multimillionaire. So he taught that, yes, if we want to achieve something, we might have to change our thoughts. But if we only focus on our thoughts and we forget to address the emotions that are attached to those thoughts, then we will still stay stuck. Here's something huge, okay? I, I love education. I love to learn. And I went to all sorts of these very motivational things that says, hey, here's how you can achieve your dreams. Here's how you can progress. Here's how you can be successful, this, that, and the other. But if because I still had these unresolved emotions, if I still feel this anxiety or whatever it might be, then all of these cool ideas just won't apply. I feel stuck because it's like, okay, those are cool, but they don't apply to me because. And maybe we don't understand that because, because we haven't been taught the language of emotions. Emotions exist whether you want them to or not. No matter how hard you try to ignore them, they exist, okay? <laughs> and that's what I help people do. And I say, hey, I see you for who you are. I validate what you're feeling right now and let's help you understand that emotion so you can let it go. And once you let it go, then you become unstuck. Then all of these marvelous ideas and dreams that you've had are now possible because you're no longer stuck by the idea and feeling of, well, I just can't because I'm nervous or I'm scared or I'm anxious or it's just not going to work out. I love it. Now, what are some of your tips for overcoming anxiety? I will tell you the overall pattern and then i'll give you a tool that can be used more in the moment does that sound okay yes so this tool that is more of a habit and something that can and should be used pretty much every day is how you can build the strength to eventually have anxiety have less of a uh, power over you and then we'll get into this more in the moment so i call it my power method it's an acronym pwr p stands for pray now, whether you're a God-fearing person or not, the principles are the same. If you can turn to somebody who is more powerful, right, the universe, the whatever you want to call it, because you're opening yourself up to somebody who can help you and letting those emotions out, that causes space for you to then be healed. It helps you become unstuck. But for example, here's something that I always have to explain. Why? Because it happened to me. I grew up in a family and environment that was very religious. So I was used to praying. So when I first heard this, I'm like, well, I already do that. Why, why don't you tell me something new, right? <laughs> but with prayer, I had to change how I prayed. Over the years, because I tried to shut off my emotions, I never expressed my emotions to God. 
So my prayers were like, oh yeah, thanks for this day. I'm glad I did this and whatever, you know, more task oriented or ideas. But when I changed how I prayed and I said, you know what? I had a hard day today. I was lonely. You know, it sounds weird because I just got back from a friend's house full of people that I like and that we they like me, but I was lonely. doesn't make sense, but I actually felt lonely. And you know what? I feel frustrated that I was lonely. And I get all these emotions out in a safe environment because God's not going to judge. And as I do, I'm telling you, people who are listening, if you've never tried this, you will feel the difference in the moment that you're doing this. You'll feel lighter because that emotion that's been staying there until it says, hey, you know, I still have a message. If you remember what I said earlier, once it shares its message, it says, thanks for listening. See ya. And you'll feel it go. That's pretty awesome. So that's what happens in prayer. The second is right. So PWR, the second is right. The same principles apply. And let me tell you how I was before. I'm like, journals, are you kidding me? Journals and diaries, they're not even for guys, okay? <laughs> they're just lame. I don't want to waste my time with that. And whenever I tried to do the journal thing, I would be more task-oriented. Oh, yeah, this happened today. I went to the store. I bought this. I did school. I studied whatever. But I wasn't expressing my emotions. I was used to hiding them. So, for example, because we're talking about anxiety today, if we never talk about anxiety because we're afraid of it, it's going to stay. So it's by using these tools that I'm ex uh, explaining right now that you can release that anxiety. So in the writing, I say, you know what? I tried to or I wanted to ask this girl out today, but I didn't. <laughs> because I was nervous, I I felt this panic inside, I didn't like how I felt, and I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of her, so I didn't. So I'm talking about the actions that come, but then I, then I continue my thoughts. Why? Because I'm beginning the process of opening up in a safe environment, even if I'm just writing this down. As I write it down, then I'm separate. This is the cool thing that's happening inside the brain. The emotions are existing, but you're taking charge with the logical side of the brain. So I'm writing down, I'm using my body. And then as I see my thoughts come out, I say, hold on, that doesn't make sense. I don't, I'm, you know, I might think she'll laugh at me, but she hasn't. And there's no guarantee she will. So maybe that's not a true thought. And as I do that, I say, oh, maybe that anxiety, it doesn't have to have power over me. Here's a cool thing that I wanted to mention. Anxiety and excitement are two sides of the same coin. Did you know that? <laughs> yes, I did. I, I didn't know that for years. But I'm telling you, the anxiety, it's like I'm, I'm worried that it's not going to work out. It, you actually feel it in the same area, wherever it works for you. It's the same as excitement for it working out. So if we can just change our focus and how we talk, then it's like, wow, I can control my situation. I'm no longer powerless, cowering in fear, but now I'm I'm ready to take action because I'm excited about the possibilities. Anyway, that was a tangent, but I thought I'd, I'd share that. <laughs> so with writing, it's getting it out in a safe environment. Now that I've expressed it, I've felt the release. I feel unstuck because, hey, I let it go and now I'm ready to, ready to move on. It's so awesome. Here's the third thing, R in power. R for reach out. If any of you listening or watching have experienced anxiety or are feeling anxious, our, one of the first things that we do is we, we scrunch up and we isolate. 
We say, I'm scared. I don't want anybody to see me scared. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to isolate and I'm going to be alone. I'm telling you, that's the worst thing we can do. So the solution, even though it might sound scary at first, is reach out. One awesome thing is you'll find out that you're not the only one that's ever felt anxiety. You'll feel that you're not alone. And wow, how powerful that is. It feels an entire weight lifted off your shoulders. Like, what? I'm not alone here. <laughs> so cool. So reach out. I'm telling you, this is one of the biggest things that happened to me in my experience over the last couple of years as I went through my journey of overcoming a ton of anxiety. As I reached out and realized that I was not alone, I also saw people for humans instead of, oh, they're better than me or they're just judging me or I don't even want to be with them. And I saw them as this people that I can relate with. It was amazing. As I did these three things that I just mentioned, pray in a different way, expressing my emotions, writing, and I don't know if you, you know, stop me if I'm going too long, otherwise I'll keep going, how's that? No, this is good for the audience to hear because okay. it's helpful tips to help them with anxiety. They need yeah. to hear. So writing, I just wanted to give a quick example. I was giving a speech uh, last year and there was somebody in the audience who I could tell was very angry okay i know it's not anxiety but this principle will still apply i could tell that she was angry just angry with the world my goodness she was pretty respectful about it like she didn't bash me while i was talking but the questions she asked in her demeanor was oh she's got uh, you know something something's going on there <laughs> very angry now at the end thankfully she asked me a question she's just like you know what do you do if you're angry all the time and i said well tell me about it where does your anger come from? Why are you angry? You know, well, tell me more about it. And as she expressed to me in the same principle as prayer, of course, I'm not God, but it's the same idea as talking to somebody. She started to release it a tiny bit. And then I saw, okay, she has directed her anger at somebody. And often anger hides fear, fear that I'm not good enough, fear that I'll turn, turn out to be the same as this person, that I don't like their behavior or they hurt me, all these kinds of thoughts can come into play. But it turns out that she directed her anger at a relative of hers. And I said, okay, I want you to do something for me. I want you to write a letter to this person that you are extremely angry at. I want you to tell her everything that's on your mind. Get all your anger out on that piece of paper. But you don't need to send the letter. That's good, right? <laughs> you don't send the letter. You have to explain to us why. Why don't you send the letter? Well, in certain situations, you can, certainly. But if it's not necessarily going to help the situation because it'll just add fuel to the fire, then it's not necessary because this is more for us. We're hurting ourselves by being so angry at somebody. Maybe this other person didn't even know that she was angry. So us feeling justified that I'm so angry, I'm going to make sure that she's never, that I'm never happy around her. I want her to know that I'm upset. Well, maybe they have no clue. So anyway, sometimes we're afraid of sending this letter. I'm like, I don't want them to know exactly how I feel. Or back to the anxiety real quick. I don't want anybody to know exactly why I feel the way that I do. Maybe there are still some things that I'm embarrassed about and I'm not quite ready to share them. But if you can write them out on this letter in a safe manner, because why? You're not going to send it. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's going to judge. As you write it, not judging yourself. I know that's hard, but it can be done. You're getting it fully out. 
It's as if you expressed it to that person. If you've ever been, ever been in a situation where you finally talked something out and you're like, wow, I feel better. <laughs> this yeah. principle applies when you write. So she wrote it to this person, did not send it because it wasn't necessary in this situation. But I saw her a few days later and let me tell you, completely different person because she had finally let her anger go. For so many of us, with whether it be anger or anxiety, we have all these things that I've mentioned. I don't know exactly what I'm feeling. I don't want to admit what I'm feeling because sometimes I might feel guilt or shame. It's like, why am I angry? I shouldn't be angry. And then all these things pile on top of each other. I'm anxious. I don't want to be anxious. I hate that I'm anxious. And now I hate myself. See how quickly that spirals? And we have all these things. We don't really want to admit it. But I'm telling you, some of these things that I'm teaching today and that I do in my coaching makes it a safe environment, makes it, I am okay for feeling what I am. I can, I can understand it and acknowledge it. And then I can choose how I feel. It's not ignoring my emotion. It's releasing it and replacing it with something better. Does that answer your question? Yes, sir. Very powerful. Now, let's discuss the fact that guys have emotions too. You discuss that a lot in regards to your coaching as well on social media. Can you explain how guys have emotions too to the audience? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> mm, something that comes to my mind is I read a book called How to Raise Emotionally Intelligent Children. And he, the author, talks about this same subject. They did a study and they said, I wonder who has more emotions, men or women? The study came out and they didn't necessarily say who has more, but they said they both have emotions. The thing is, society teaches men that they can't express their emotions. They have to be strong. They can't be weak. They have to be in charge. And that requires you can't be sad. Actually, apparently you can be angry, but you can't be scared. You, you can't be a lot of these things. So what happens? We put on our stone face. And then people say, how come he, how come he doesn't express anything? Well, because I'm kind of being told I'm not supposed to. <laughs> but my goodness, we certainly do have emotions. Do you think even in a leadership position or you know, just asking somebody on a date or just living, do you think we're not going to be afraid sometimes? Maybe think we're not good enough? Maybe have our feelings hurt. Maybe be excited. Maybe be nervous. Whatever these emotions are, they exist. And me being male, this is something that I came to realize. I, I was not raised in a family or environment that we talked about emotions much. So when I experienced them, I was like, well, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to do, go do something else. But men, here's something that I did. I used a shield of success. I said, I don't like feeling uncomfortable. I don't like feeling these emotions that I don't understand. So I'm going to use my shield of success and I'm going to be good at everything. So I'll just feel better. And that's what a lot of people do because they don't know any other option. It's not a weakness to have emotions. It makes you stronger. And guess what? You will have a better connection with those around you if you express your emotions. Amen. Now, Let's say there, there's a man who has these emotions, but he feels as though, as you mentioned, society is telling him he cannot express those emotions. How does that affect someone in regards to anxiety? I mean, they have to feel bottled up. 
Mm -hmm. So what would I say to somebody who's experiencing, but they don't think they can do express it really, right? Sure. First, let me address what we often think of what expressing means. Sometimes we're afraid of being angry because what we see on the movies, or maybe we've seen in our family, is that anger equals violence, or anger equals explosions, or anger equals pain. Right. Grady says, yes, he agrees with you there. Hello, Grady. Thank you for listening in. <laughs> he actually spoke on our sexual assault panel in regards to what he overcame in se with sexual assault. And he has helped so many pe so many men as well as women because he shared his story for the first time. So thank you, Grady, for that. You have helped save so many lives. Oh, yes, thank you. That's cool. So often we see this a bit anger and therefore we define it for ourselves and we say, I cannot be angry because, and yet we feel angry. So then we say there's something wrong with me for feeling this way. And so we start to attack ourselves and we isolate. So back to our situation. I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling anxious, but I'm not supposed to and I don't want to because there are better ways and different ways to express emotions. It's different for everybody, so that's why I do the one-on-one -on -one coaching kind of thing, but here's the principle that you can follow. You, you need to find a way to release that energy. And that can be in any creative way. You know, some people meditate. Some people do yoga. I almost said Yoda. Ah, <laughs> yoga. <laughs> some people create. Some people exercise. Some people build. You can channel this energy into something positive and it's going to help people. But just remember these principles that I mentioned about pray, write, and reach out. Do whatever you need to to release the emotions hold on you. Validate it listen to its message and it will say goodbye there's a there's a um what's the word anyway something that i take my clients through that actually helps them do that and it's pretty awesome i love it and i love the fact that grady joined us here because it brings up a great example so he also spoke on the domestic violence panel and so my question to you is we we were on his show as well and it was brought up in regards to the fact that men are supposed to be tough. So when you really bring up the fact domestic violence into the matter, how can a man express himself in that way? Grady did and he stepped out and he helped people. But what about those men that are afraid to do the same as Grady? What is your best advice to those individuals to express their emotions? So here's how I like to see things. I like to try to see it from their view and give a couple options as to why their brain thinks that they need to turn to domestic violence when they're having emotions. And then we can say, here's a better option. So here's where my mind goes first of all. Maybe from the movies, from society, maybe from our family growing up, we learned that if we feel uncomfortable, if we feel like our authority is being challenged, or if we feel like somebody is making us feel weak, then we turn to anger and violence because we have to stay in control. Okay, if that makes sense, then we can start to understand why we do it. If we never understand why we do something, then it's really hard to change. If we can start activating that logical side of the brain and say, okay, maybe that is why I do it, but then here's the side of the solution. All of our behavior is based on an emotional need. So again, if I feel vulnerable because somebody's talking back to me and I say, no, I have to be the man, I have to be in charge, so therefore I'm going to domestic violence, right? Or whatever it is, if we can change our understanding and say, okay, instead of turning to what I always have to try to feel better or try to get the solution I've wanted, I say, what's happening here? 
and, my, and this is where you can do a deep breath. If you can pause for those three seconds and take in the deep breath, that can change your life, really. Change the direction of your life. Instead of participating in the domestic violence, we say, okay, I'm feeling angry. Why am I feeling angry? Maybe I'm scared. What am I afraid of? Or I'm nervous. Those are okay. I know based on how we've been taught, those thoughts quickly go to, I'm, I, I'm bad for feeling this. I shouldn't feel this way. Therefore, we're going to go back to our, well, I'll just go back to domestic violence because it's easier. And I feel like I'm in more of control. But here's, right. where, I, here's where I can share the, the tool that I mentioned of the in the moment. I'm just trying to see if I should term it anything differently. But for now, we'll call it the 90-second method. We can change our behavior and control our emotions in less than 90 seconds by doing the following. You say, okay, what am I feeling? I'm feeling anger. All right. And, and then we go through the scenario that I just mentioned. Why am I feeling anger? But feel the anger. Feeling the anger does not mean, okay, I'm going to hit something. I'm going to break something, anything like that. That is just not feeling. But you can acknowledge the anger. Yes, I'm feeling angry. You do some deep breaths and you can feel the heat leave through your nostrils. So you can maybe heat, feel the fire leaving from your eyes, those kinds of things. But then quickly, as you're doing these deep breaths, you say, what's the opposite of this anger and how can I feel that? If anger means I feel like I'm not being heard, I can say, hey, I want to feel like a leader. I want to feel like somebody who loves those around me. And by doing so, I choose to change my behavior. I don't need to change or turn to the behavior that I was prior. I can say, this is how I want to feel. And this is what I'm going to do to get there. I hope that answers your question. Yes. And Grady actually asks a question here. He says, how often should you practice it? Well, if you use the example of any professional musician, athlete, builder, whatever it is, they practice it to the point that it doesn't require thought anymore. So what you can do to start is every morning, you can say, I'm going to prepare for any situation where I might be tempted to turn to, for example, domestic violence. So in the morning I say, okay, can I see any possible situation today? And if so, I will play it in my mind. And I say, this is what I'm gonna do. And I'll do it in the moment. I say, okay, if I'm feeling angry, I take my deep breath. I go through exactly what I talked about. This is how I want to be. So guess what? When you come to the moment, just like practicing a fire drill, you know exactly where to go, you know exactly what to do, and you don't get stuck. Very powerful. And so in Grady's case, it, it was the woman that was the abuser. So in that case where the man feels trapped and they can't express themselves, you would say to practice those methods that you just said, correct? Yeah. I mean, of course, if you need to get out and reach out and do that kind of thing. Yes. But if you can, if you're in a spot where you can just do some inner work, that's what can change a lot of the situation. Absolutely amazing. Now, can you tell us more about your book, Fortitude, the Anthology for Overcomers? Sure. So at this, I, you know, I spoke at a place last year and because of the pandemic, a lot of the attendees didn't come. This was the weekend before most of the shutdown. So it turned out to be a lot of uh, the speakers speaking to each other. And as a product of that, we got along really well. <laughs> and because we did that, we said, you know what? We all have a great story to share. We should share it. So let's write a book together. And it's kind of like a Reader's Digest where each chapter 
is written by a different author, 15 stories of how to overcome. It goes more into my story and why I felt anxious, some things from childhood, and how I overcame those. I go through the power method and these specific details. So not only me, but these other authors share some awesome things about how you can overcome whatever situation you're in so you can live your best life. Very powerful. Now, Grady actually has another question in regards to the topic that we were just discussing about men having emotions too. Grady says, thank you. How do you defuse the other person in a domestic violence matter where there's the emotions are very, very rough? I will, I'll be open right now and just say, I'm not going to pretend that I'm the ultimate professional in this, but I will give you some advice that I believe would help. Most of us turn to a certain behavior because we're feeling something, but by nature, we don't validate it. So if somebody is, for example, being angry at us and we try to invalidate that emotion, then naturally they're going to say, no, I am. They're not going to say this with words, but they're going to act it out. And they say, you're not listening to me. And they'll get angrier and angrier. And then they'll resort to the domestic violence. So somehow if you can just calmly talk to them and validate the emotion. I can see that you're angry. Like I say, I'm not going to pretend that I'm a professional in this. This is just how theory could work. You validate the emotion. I can see that you're angry and talk calmly to them. There's also a mirroring technique that if you take deep breaths and talk slowly, then it's likely that they'll do the same. So those are some small tools that could work. I love that breathing technique that you mentioned. Very powerful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, Ben, what does happiness mean to you? Oh, that's a great question. Two thoughts that come to my mind. First, happiness, I believe, is our core state. We all want to go back to that state. So if we're not in that state, it just means something's in the way and we can deal with that. We can, we can process that emotion and then naturally we'll go back to happiness. Also, what defines happiness? This is something that I'm preparing for a, a speech that I'm giving soon. Does money equal happiness? No. Does all the time in the world equal happiness? No. How do I know this? I just spent time with a millionaire who has all the time in the world and he isn't perfectly happy. <laughs> so I've heard it said many ways, but what's the definition of happiness? What's the key to a happy life? Growth and fulfillment. If you're moving towards something and you're celebrating the wins, then you will be happy. And this is when all of my tools come into place. If you don't feel happy and you're doing those things, check yourself each morning. Do the meditation, do the breathing, listen to your body and see if you have any unresolved emotions. And once you resolve those, you'll feel the happiness you're looking for. I love it. Now, what does loving life look like to you? Oh, this, I'll just give you a quick example of what happened just two days ago. So I got back from Puerto Rico, beautiful place. And you think, oh, of course, it's going to be happy. It was on an island, right? <laughs> beautiful sun, everything working out. And then I came home to snow, dark and cold and snowy, or yeah, snowy. But some people travel the world to come to Utah to ski. So it's all in how you see where you are in life that determines how you can love life. You can see it for the good. You can decide what you focus on. 
this keeps coming to my mind, so I'll share it really quick. Tony Robbins talks about it. Many other speakers have mentioned this idea. Um, I'll use the term triad. So to determine how you feel, which will help you love your life, is you focus, you, um, you use your physiology. It's how your body is. If you're always slouched and you're, you're, you're nervous like this, then it's going to affect how you feel. And it's not likely that you'll love your life. So your physiology is important. What you focus on, is it cold, is it slippery, or is it beautiful, is it calm, and the language that you use. Oh, I can't believe it. it's always snowing. You know, it's always so dangerous when people, when it snows, nobody knows how to drive, all these, this language that you use. If you're going to talk that way, of course, you're going to feel upset, angry, anxious, whatever it is. But if you can change your focus, change your language, and change your physiology, that's how you can love life. I love it. Very powerful. Now, Ben, tell us more about the major challenge that you had to overcome in your life. Oh, yes. And here's something interesting. Actually, I'll just tell you the story. So when I was nine or 10 years old, I was in elementary school and we had just finished a game of dodgeball. And I was learning that I was good at sports. My friends were noticing that I was good at sports and I was starting to care that they noticed that I was good at sports. See, what happens is, as a child, you start to develop this identity and really care about how people look at you. So as we finished this dodgeball game, we were going back to class and my friends were laughing hysterically about something. So naturally I wanted to be involved and I said, hey guys, what's so funny? And they looked at me and they said, raise your arms. I'm like, what? But I raised my arms and they laughed even harder. I'm like, what in the deal? So I looked down and I realized that I had extremely sweaty armpits. And you might think, well, what's the big deal? You just played a game of dodgeball. Of course you'd be sweaty. Or you might think, oh, everybody sweats. It's natural. What's the big deal? But here's what has happened. What happened to me? I didn't realize that I was sweating like that. I was a nine or 10 year old boy, not fully understanding how the body worked. And it must have been a whole lot worse than anybody else. Because otherwise, why would my friends laugh at me? So in this moment, if you think of it logically, of course, it doesn't make sense that this affected me so much because, oh, yeah, everybody sweats. Not a big deal. 20 years ago, get over it. Doesn't work because it turned into some unresolved emotions that not only scarred me for years, but definitely directed my behavior for many years. So in the moment, what did I experience? I experienced some scary emotions that they don't teach you how to deal with at school. I was I experienced humiliation embarrassment, fear, all of this turned into shame. So when my friend said, ew, that's gross, ew, that's disgusting, my brain heard this, mixed it with my emotions and said, I am gross. I am disgusting. There must be something wrong with me. And I don't know if anybody can relate right now, possibly not with the exact scenario, but maybe you've looked down at yourself and said, yeah, there's something fundamentally wrong with me. It makes it so people around me laugh or they judge. It makes it so I feel like I'm not good enough to do what I want to do. So this emotional event scarred me. Like I said, I couldn't talk to my friends because they were the ones laughing at me. I couldn't talk to my mom because I didn't want to relive this event. So I didn't. I said, I will never feel that way again. And I pushed all these emotions to the back of my mind. And that's what I said. So I tried protecting myself with the shield of success, like I mentioned earlier. I tried saying, 
I never want to feel that way again. I choose to feel better and I know how I can get there. That's what I'm going to do. But how did that affect my life? A close friend of mine a few years ago, she said to me, Ben, you keep people at arm's length. I was like, you know what? That's true because I don't want them to get any closer. If they do, they'll discover something about me that I don't control and that I'm not proud of. So it turns out I have what's called hyperhidrosis. It's excessive sweating. Some people have it in the hands, some people in the feet, some in the underarms. We don't control it. It's a lot worse than in most other people. So people who don't have it and don't really understand, they're like, you're in a library, bro. Why are you sweating? <laughs> <laughs> right? It just doesn't make sense. But the receiver, because of all that, yeah, I don't control it. I hate that this happens. I hate that people laugh at me. I hate being embarrassed. All these thoughts and feelings come. So yeah, you think I wouldn't be anxious in groups, the social anxiety, the I can't do this because? In fact, this experience and this idea made it so I didn't become a professional speaker or a life coach for years because I thought there's no way I could do that. I can't stand on stage and people see that I'm sweaty. They don't even listen to what I'm talking about because they'll be distracted. Well, since going through what I'm about to tell you, I've learned that 5% of the world experiences this. So I'm certainly not alone, even though for 20 years I thought I was the only one. It's interesting how we think about these things. Like I mentioned earlier, when we feel and have these emotions, we often think we're the only one who does. Nobody else understands me. I can't turn to anybody because they don't understand me. I don't want to because nobody's going to know how I feel. When in reality... That's one of the most basic things in which we can relate. These are emotions. Anyway, finishing the story. So for 20 years, 20 years, I thought I was the only one who had this. I didn't tell a soul, not even my mom knew. And I just lived with this anxiety and this shield of success. In fact, when the shield of success didn't fully fix how I felt, I started turning to other things to try to feel better. Because when the brain experiences an emotion it doesn't like, it says, hmm, I'm a problem solver. I'm going to find something that does make me feel better. So whether it's pornography, video games, drugs, and that's what leads people to suicide because they just want to feel better and feel free from all their unresolved emotions. So I started to see this and I came to a point where I said, I need help. I can't deal with this alone anymore. So I turned to a therapist, got in a group and I realized and sorry, I think I feel like I'm zooming through this story, but that's okay. I got in this group and I realized that I was not alone in how I felt. And I was not alone in what I turned to either. And then I, I was working with my therapist and I, I felt like I don't want any chance that this will continue to be a problem. I want to completely root out the problem. And that's when I said, I wonder if I have any unresolved emotions that lead towards my behavior that I don't like. I feel like I should insert this real quick. So with any behavior, whether, it, like I said, if it's the pornography, the, the eating disorders, the video games, whatever it is, there comes a point where people who are on the outside and not fully understanding start to say, that's an addict, that's a terrible person, I can't believe they do that all the time, what's wrong with them? So those ideas and those thoughts and those judgments certainly don't help because the person inside is already thinking that. They think, I hate this behavior. I know I shouldn't turn to this behavior. I know better. I was taught better. I can't believe I'm doing this. 
and it leads to a lot of self-loathing. And that doesn't help the problem. We turn inward and inward and inward until we have nowhere else that we feel like we have nowhere else to go. And that's when we start to turn into harder and harder behaviors. Anyway, that's more of a theoretical kind of thing, but I experienced it and I've seen some close family members go through it as well. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, Ben, you mentioned that you spoke to yourself negatively. When did you shift your mindset and start having positive self-talk? Thank you for bringing that up. So this transitions right into what I was about to say about my therapist. But let me say this one thing that I've kind of already said, but you know, I was a shield of success. I was an executive of an international company with 2000 employees under the age of 30, all sorts of cool stuff, right? And you might think, well, you shouldn't have problems. You have a picture perfect life. Most, many people told me that. And yet I didn't know how to get out of it. I, I had these negative thoughts towards myself and all these motivational speakers just weren't working because I had these unresolved emotions. So this is where the transition happened. This is where I had this epiphany, and this is why I do what I do. As I was talking to my therapist, I decided to tell him my story about this hyperhidrosis, this story of which I had told nobody, not even my mom. You got to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but I went in very defensive because all of my memory and all of my programming said, when somebody finds out, they react like this. I will be embarrassed. I'll be humiliated. I'll be afraid, and I'll, be, I'll feel shame. I don't want to feel that. 20 years I had tried protecting myself from it. But I said, no, I'm going to tell my therapist. So I did, told him my story. And like any good therapist, he said, thank you for telling me. I'm like, what? You're not going to react the way my friends did many years ago and everybody does since? You know, that's how I felt. Then my therapist did something extremely helpful and powerful with me. He helped me rewrite my memories and reprogram my brain. He said, I want you to imagine going back to your nine or 10 year old self right after this event happened. I want you to take him to a safe place and I want you to tell him, you just went through something very difficult and you have every right to feel the way that you do. But I want you to know that it is over, that you are loved and you're gonna do some amazing things in life. Now, when I first told myself this, I said, baloney, I can't, I can't lie. I know this isn't true. I know I don't feel this way, so I can't. I fought it, you know, defensive mechanisms there. But as he helped me repeat this exercise, I started to experience the emotions that I had hidden for years in this safe environment. And I turned what was once a ghost that haunted me into an ancestor that I can learn from. And as I shared this right now with you, I felt like if somebody is listening and they feel like they've had a, you know, a traumatic experience, something that tells them you're not good enough. You look down at yourself and there's something wrong with you. You had something happen many years ago, or maybe it was a week ago. I don't know what it is, but those scary emotions, I invite you to tell yourself the same thing I told my younger self. You went through something very difficult and you have every right to feel the way that you do. Validate that emotion. And then you will be more ready to believe the next thoughts. You're going to do great things in life. You are loved. And you're an amazing person. 
then that's when you're ready for those thoughts. So like I said, I turned my ghost that was haunting me into an ancestor that I can learn from. Do I still have the hyperhidrosis? Yeah. Does it stop me from what I'm doing? No. I've been able to change my thoughts when those negative thoughts come, if they do, or the emotions that are scary. I now know what I can do about them. I have all sorts of techniques that I can use and many that I've mentioned today. But this is the hope that I give people. This is to wrap up my story that you just asked for. <laughs> I came through this experience and I thought, well, shoot, if I have a picture perfect life and I'm very successful and yet I suffered in silence and I turned to these behaviors, the pornography, this, that, and the other, I wonder if anybody else has felt like I have. So I went and I talked to my young adult friends and I said, hey, have you, any of you felt like this before? And they said, bro, we all do. The problem is nobody talks about it. I said, wow. Wow. If everybody feels this way and nobody talks about it, something needs to be done. So, so I bring a message of hope to people now. That is amazing. So essentially you found out that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. Very powerful. So would you say that you're still recovering from what happened when you were nine or 10 years old? I would say no. Um, you know, I can't say it doesn't affect me anymore. It's certainly part of my story, but I'm no longer ashamed of that part of, of the story. And I now see it as a way that brings more connection and vulnerability. You know, I can share all sorts of cool principles and it's like, oh yeah, it's just another guy talking about whatever. But when I share my story, people, even though they didn't experience hyperhidrosis, maybe they weren't nine or 10 years old, you know, their event was not the same. They say, wow, he understands how I feel. I don't even know him, right? But he understands how I feel because we can relate on our emotions. It's very powerful. Is that one of the topics that you discuss as well when you speak on stage? It is, yes, I share that story often. I love it. Now, what is your why that keeps you going, Ben? And this is where I'm okay to bring in God, right? Yes, <laughs> you can bring in God whenever. Oh, good. God <laughs> this, I was thinking about this a lot today as I was thinking about this uh, conversation. It's scary to be an entrepreneur. It's scary to go out and build your own business and talk about something that most people don't talk about. It's scary to talk to men or professionals, women, doesn't matter, about emotions when their natural uh, demeanor is, no, 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 I don't like emotions, I'm not gonna talk about it. So all that's scary, right? But when I left my corporate position, the logical side of my brain could have said, hold on here. You just invested seven years. You got a master's degree. You did all this work to do HR. And now you're just going to see you later. Bye to do this. But I felt so strongly about it. And I knew that it was from God. God helped me get um, free from those behaviors. He helped me heal my emotions. He helped me realize that the people around me can use my help because I see not exactly what they're going through, but I can relate, you know, in the, those emotional levels and they need the help. So even this happens often, you know, you, you wake up and you're like, is it working? What, what I'm doing? Am I making an impact? Does anybody care? But since I know without a doubt that God asked me to do this, 
then I know that I can turn to him. Because I know that if he asks me to do something, then he'll prepare a way that I can do it. So I have a, I don't know if I want to call it a mantra, but something that I am doing this year. I desire, I believe, and I ponder. So as I'm moving forward in my business, I say, okay, I want to do this because I want to do what God asks, or I want to help somebody. This is the idea that I have. I believe it's possible, and I believe God can help me. And then I ponder. And what does ponder mean? You give God an opportunity to talk to you. So I sit in silence, and I think through. I do my part, and I say, okay, this is what I think I can do. These are some ideas I have. And as I listen, then all of a sudden these new ideas come. I say, hey, you should do this. Like one of these ideas is um, a Heal Your Emotions retreat that I'll do this year. Oh, that's cool. That's an idea that came to me. Terrifying because I've never done it. <laughs> but I know that it's going to help a lot of people. Sorry, I hope that answers your question. Amen. Yes, it does. Now, was there a time in your life journey where you experienced an aha moment? Yeah, in general or in, in regards to this? In general. What's the first aha moment that comes to mind? Mm, wow. This is a great question. I've never even asked this. First aha moment. Well, this is the first thing that comes to my mind. This, oh my goodness, helped a lot. So as HR director, I was on the executive team and my boss and I, so my boss was the CEO. My boss and I had to work together often, of course. And we were going to do a big staff change. And it was a, it was a close family member of his that we were you know, going to have to kind of let go and replace. It's a tough decision, especially for him, where it's a family connection. And me being the HR director, I tried to just, okay, this is what we need to do. It's a business decision, and I'll make sure everything works because that's my job. Um, he and I were communicating, and it came to a point where I said, hey, I need an answer from you because... I need this answer so that other things can come. I didn't get that answer. And so in our meeting where I thought it was the very last moment, I went ahead with something. I made an executive decision and made and just went ahead. And oh my goodness, my boss got ticked. Oh, he was upset. And when people act in anger, we often go into the, the flight mode or protect. We say, oh, what's happening? I got to protect myself. So part of me was definitely scared. But then part of me turned to anger too. I'm like, well, you asked me to do this and you didn't give me the answer. So then I started getting angry and fear or scared and all these sorts of emotions came. But here's what's cool. And here's my aha moment. I had been listening to people like Brene Brown. I had been learning about emotions and I had learned that anger was a secondary emotion that hides fear. And I thought, okay, okay. If my boss is being extremely irate towards me, wow, he was mad. Is it possible that he's afraid of something? And if so, what could it be? As I thought through it, I put myself in his shoes. And I thought, yeah, if I had to fire one of my close family members, I'd probably be pretty scared too. I don't know if I'd be ready to do it. Maybe that's why I didn't give my answer because I just didn't want to make that decision. So when one of my employees brings it up and I'm not ready, yeah, I'm going to react in anger. And by me realizing this, I said, wow, I don't have to hate him for being angry at me. 
I don't have to hold a grudge because I felt like I was treated unfairly in a meeting because of this aha moment. And I realized why the behavior came. It's because of an emotion that needed to be addressed. All of a sudden I could see him for a human being. And like I said, I don't have a grudge. I don't hate him. It was a much better experience. Very inspiring. Forgiveness truly matters. Mm -hmm. I love it. Now, Ben, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? My big thing would be, because I'm all about emotions, is validate your emotions. If you can do this, oh, I would encourage it. I know that we often think, I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't feel this way. Why do I feel this way? Why don't we change the question? And we say, what am I feeling? Oh, then we can start to improve our vocabulary and say, hey, I'm angry. I'm scared. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm happy. And when we can, the more practice we have in speaking this language, then we have more power. I say this often. When you understand and acknowledge your emotions, then you have power over them. And when you have power over something, you feel like you're in control. Therefore, you live an awesome life. Amen. Very powerful. Ben, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Now, where can the audience find you? They can find me at benedenspeaks.com. And can I share something to invite people to do something? Yes, of course. So benedenspeaks.com forward slash coaching. If you will go to that link and fill out a form, not only will you be invited to a group class that I'm um, doing in February, but three of you will be chosen for a free consultation with me. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Ben at benedenspeaks.com forward slash coaching. And Ben, thank you again so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You have a blessed day. Thank you.